Shannon Tipton here, owner of Learning Rebels, where we strategically fix training that's broken and develop workplace learning that delivers desired business results. Today, we hosted a Learning Rebels Live with Kevin Yates. Many of you may know Kevin as the L&D detective, the person dedicated to getting to the bottom of learning measurement and performance results. But did you know He started as a second grade teacher. As I continue to discover all of the stories such as his and others, it's very clear to me. The journey to finding the passion of L&D is different for everyone. So if you are trying to reconnect with your passions, if you are looking to get into corporate L&D or transitioning from teaching, then this story is for you. So, without further ado, let's get to it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Learning Rebels Live. And today, hold on to your hats, girls and boys. We have Kevin Yates with us. Hi, and I am very excited by that. I have always loved having conversations with Kevin. It's always a fun time. It's always an interesting time. And Kevin and I have known each other for a while, but we officially met at Learning Technologies in the UK just last year. And it's just, isn't it amazing, Kevin? I've got people in my network like you and Trish Yule and Sharon Bowler and all sorts of great people that live in the Chicagoland area, yet we only manage to connect when we're at conferences overseas. You live like an hour from me. How does that happen? Well, well, it might not be quite an hour, Shannon. It depends on how heavy my foot is on the pedal. But you're, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Yeah, it is crazy that we live in the same area. And the only way that we see and connect with each other is at conferences in other parts of the world and on social media. So right. it is awesome to be here today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you're here. And to the world out there, Kevin Yates, you know, officially our L&D detective, and we'll be talking more about that here in, in just a moment. But he also runs a fabulous nonprofit, Meals in the Meantime, which works out of the south side of Chicago, doing some wonderful and inspiring work there. But I'm going to flip this over to you for just a second to let you formally introduce yourself to all of the listeners out there. Thanks, Shannon. Thank you so much. And also thank you for uh, giving a little bit of spotlight to my nonprofit, which is the joy of my life right now. So I've been in training, learning and talent development now, Shannon, for gosh, 25 plus years. I know it'll look like it. I'm well preserved, right? You can't tell. That's right. right. You, you've been pickled. Right. I, I started when I was five years old. No, all jokes <laughs> aside, all jokes aside. So I've been, been in training, learning and talent development now for, for quite a while and have worn many hats in the community, in the industry, in the profession. So I started off as a facilitator, six to eight hours a day, boots on the ground, doing stand-up training and facilitation and delivery. That led to a role in instructional design, that led to a role in curriculum development, and then ultimately I had roles in learning technology, learning solutions, uh, learning administration, learning operations, leadership development, and most recently, very narrowly focused on impact 
measuring the impact of training and learning and impact analytics. And I'm also fortunate, Shannon, because I have worked in many different industries, right? So that includes most recently social media, fast food, consulting, banking, advisory services. So a wide range of industries, a wide range of roles, and they have all led me to where I am today, which is the L&D detective. And I'd like to say, Shannon, that that's a name that I didn't give myself. The community gave me that name. Uh, <laughs> someone said to me, hey, Kevin, you're, you're solving mysteries just like Sherlock Holmes, right? The only difference is Sherlock Holmes solves murder mysteries. I solve measurement mysteries. We're both detectives. We're just solving different mysteries. And so that's where that whole L&D detective thing comes from. And awesome. so, yeah, yeah. And then in addition to the L&D detective work, as you mentioned, I am also president and founder of Meals in the Meantime. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. We work out of the Chicago Southland suburbs. We provide pop-up food pantries that help people who need food. And we do that with grocery bags that are chock full of free, fresh, healthy foods, fruits, vegetables, all the types of foods that provide our bodies with the nourishment that it needs and really helping people who are experiencing food insecurity. Mm -hmm. You know, Shannon, we believe that uh, food insecurity is a condition, not a condemnation. So we're just focused on changing the condition. I love it. If you can tell, I'm busy, right? I'm doing L&D detective work and I'm doing nonprofit work. And all of that comes together to really help me live um, a really enriched life. And, I, and I'm blessed mm -hmm. to be able to do that. Yeah. And that's fabulous. And we have the, the links on the screen for people who may live. You know, in, in the area who might be willing to contribute their time and efforts, but also for those who do not, who want to contribute, you know, a, a couple of bucks because every little bit helps, right? Every little bit helps. Every, little, every bit. little bit helps, especially when we're talking about food insecurity and food deserts, you know, which parts of the South Side certainly fit both of those criterias. And the work that you're doing is just awesome. Thank you, Sam. To take a trip back if you will. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm picturing little Kevin Yates with his big outside personality going through life, thinking about what is the journey, you know? So I, I know that you didn't wake up thinking, oh, I cannot wait to be an L&D detective. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be my life's goal. So I really want to discover from you is how did you get there from here? What what was your journey like? Man, that's a good question. Um, and you're absolutely right. So like when I was five years old and, and someone might have asked me, what do you want to be or who do you want to be when you grow up? I certainly didn't say, and this is the five-year-old Kevin Yates voice, I want to be an L&D detective when I grow up. I never <laughs> said that. I never said that. Um <laughs> Well, it's the, the journey is interesting. Some of it has been deliberate um, okay. and some of it has been just what happened. Right. So I was teaching Shannon. I don't even know if I ever told you this story. I was actually teaching. Uh, what was it? Second grade. Right. Oh my gosh. And, okay. Yeah. I, I was teaching second grade little eight year olds. And I discovered during that time a real passion for teaching, learning and education. Right. At the same time, Shannon, I discovered that the income of a public school teacher, unfortunately, yep. did not provide me with the resources and income that I needed to achieve some life goals that I had. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is so unfortunate when, when you think about the larger right. picture in terms of how we compensate teachers and educators. Right. So I wanted to find a way to combine my passion for teaching, learning and education with a career that would give me the resources and the income to achieve some life goals. 
So I pursued corporate training where I could combine that love for teaching and learning education with, again, the resources that I need to fulfill some life goals and some life dreams. And so working in the industry for maybe, as I traveled along, about 15 or so years, I hit a brick wall, Shannon, because I had worn all of those hats and had served in all of those roles that I talked about earlier. And I got bored, right? I was like, is this it? Is there nothing else I can do in L&D and training, learning, and town development? And I was actually thinking about leaving the profession, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time that I was thinking about leaving the profession, I met two people because I attended a couple of conferences where I met them. The first person was Dick Hanshaw with uh, Hanshaw Consulting. And he was at the ISPI conference in Indianapolis. And I remember sitting front row and he was talking about training and learning as a solution for performance. Uh And I'm like, wow, he contextualized it, Shannon, in a way that I had not heard it contextualized before. And I'm like, okay, I want to be all about performance, right? I want to figure out how to use training and learning as a vehicle to support people's performance and enrich performance, right? And then a few months later, I went to another conference here in Chicago at the Omni near O'Hare Airport. And I met the incredible Patty Phillips. Okay. And Patty was talking about measuring the impact of training. Uh And up to that point, Shannon, I was using the legacy methods for air quote impact, right? How much, how many, how often, participation, attendance, LMS data, right? And I'm like, hey, Patty's not talking about that. She's talking about making the link between how training and learning measurably impacts and influences and contributes to human performance and how you can measure that, right? So I got Dick Hanshaw in one ear and I got Patty Phillips in the other ear and I'm hearing them talk about measurement, performance, impact, analytics, alignment, right? And I'm like, bingo, this is what I want to do for the rest of my career. So right at the verge of me leaving because I was bored and I felt like I had hit a brick wall, I discovered something new that I didn't know a whole lot about. I didn't know a lot about performance consulting. I didn't know a lot about measuring the impact of training and learning. And I think that that is what reignited my passion because I was engaged in something that I had to learn about, but something that I definitely wanted to be an expert at. And that is ultimately what led me to being the L&D detective that I am today. Because as the L&D detective, again, I still got Dick Hanshaw in this ear and Patty Phillips in that one. And I can hear them saying, align your training and learning solutions with business goals, align your training and learning solutions with performance needs that the organization has, and then measure the extent to which training and learning has fulfilled that purpose by using facts, evidence, and data to show the impact of training and learning. So that's how I got to be where I am today. Well, those are good voices to have in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll better those voices than some others, but we won't get into that. Uh, all those voices in my head. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, it's interesting to me that you mentioned that you were teaching second grade. And we have a lot of, as I'm sure, and because of the issues that you just brought up, such as stress and pay and work-life balance and all those things, we have a migration of teachers who are looking to get into learning and development right now. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. Talk to me about that particular journey. What At what point did you say, okay, I want to move from education of little guys, little dudes and dudettes to big dude and dudettes, you know? So how did that transition happen? Interestingly enough, it wasn't a difficult transition. 
particularly when I think about some of the things I learned in managing a classroom, right? So you got the little people, as you said, and you got some people who always want the teacher's attention, right? You got some people who are not paying attention. You got some people who are talking to others while they're in the classroom. I'm talking little people, right? I'm talking, you know, eight, nine-year-olds. Guess what? Guess what, Shannon? When I got into the corporate classroom, the training classroom, I got the same behaviors, (laughs) the same behaviors. So you have someone who always wants to have me call on them and you got some people who are on their phones. You got some people who are opening up their laptops and doing work. You got some people who are talking. The behaviors were replicated, right? I think that in, in a, on a lot of levels, Shannon, we are all just kind of like adult versions of who we are as children, right? So mm-hmm. I had to use some of the same classroom management skills that right. I used in working with eight or nine-year-olds as I did with adults in the, in the classroom. So that was transferable. And then mm-hmm. you think about lesson plans, right, in the education um, industry, right? You know, when you're teaching a class, you have to have your lesson plans, right? Well, similarly, we have what I'll call curriculums, right, as part mm-hmm. of our offering in corporate training, learning, and talent development. So to answer your question, Shannon, the transition was kind of easy, actually, because the skills, the, uh, the talent, is very transferable from, I believe, one environment to the other. So the transition was actually pretty easy. Well, what made you make the decision to say, I'm going to stick with education in some form and not just go off and try something completely different? That's a great question. And I think the answer to that is, for me personally, I tried to do some other things, exploring some other things, and nothing landed, right? So, you know, again, it wasn't deliberate in that sense that, you know, I was really trying to do something else. Well, Mm -hmm. I was trying to do something else, but nothing else worked. I think that's the Mm -hmm. best way to put it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that nothing else worked because let's say I decided to go off and just drop everything and go back to school and be a dentist, (laughs) which would (laughs) have never happened. But my point is that I don't know that I would have found the sense of purpose and fulfillment that I have now as a result of being frustrated and and looking to do something new, I don't think that I would have the same sense of fulfillment and purpose that I'm living now were it not for me staying in training, learning, and talent development, finding a niche, niche, whatever you want to Mm -hmm. call it, and staying focused on that. Did that answer your question? Did it make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I think a lot of um, people have that fork in the road. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. yeah. And, and I can, if I look back on my own career, I can think there were three times where I had a fork in the road, you know, and I consider what I'm doing now just sort of this third chapter, you know, it's the third chapter of my life, you know, so things just sort of evolved. And I wanted other people to see that it's and hear that it's okay. You know, mm. you can be in education or in this, for your example, you can be a teacher and be not completely fulfilled with that aspect of the profession and go to a different part of the profession and still find purpose. And I think you said something very important there when we start talking about what's your purpose, what calls you, what calls the heart. Yeah, yeah. And I think that those of us in learning and development, in education, there's a certain calling there where you want to help people. And for me, I've always said this. It's like nobody comes to work to suck. 
So how can I, how can I help people not suck at what they do? Because nobody comes to work to fail. I, I agree with that. So my purpose is how can I help people not fail? I love that. And feel better about what they do. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're spot on, Shannon. And for me, you know, I don't want to sound too esoteric, but it is what it is. So I'll just say it. <laughs> I really believe that I am walking in my purpose, not only as it relates no. to the work that I do with my nonprofit, but also the work that I'm doing with our community. Because there are there are some things that we just need to start telling truth about. There's some things that we need to stop doing um, and there's some things that we need to start doing. And I have reached a point in my career where there's no consequence to me for telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So I am telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth when it comes to this thing we call measuring the impact of training and learning. Right. So that's my calling. I believe my calling is to be a truth teller. I believe my calling is to wake up and shake up the industry to say, Let's stop doing some of this stuff that we know doesn't work, that we've been talking about for years, that we know doesn't work and that doesn't produce what we're looking for. And let's let's tell the truth about that and let's start doing what does work. So that's how I believe my purpose is being fulfilled, because I'm telling awesome. the truth. And yeah, from what I'm hearing, I'm helping people and, and I'm, yes. I'm all about helping. Right. I'm helping people who need food and I'm helping our industry figure out how to measure the impact of training and learning. You know, and I think one of the other things I'd like to ask you about is you've got such a positive mental outlook in life. You know, there's not a time where I see you talk to you. When I see you, you're, you always have a smile. When I talk to you on the phone, you always, I can hear the smile through the phone. So I, I know that positive mental attitude that you have and that you completely embrace. But what I'd like to ask you is, were there moments early in your career, let's say in that transition phase, those moments of self-doubt? Were you doing the right thing? Am I sure I'm in the right place? And how did you overcome that? I mean, I love that question, Shannon. And, you know, I'm going to be very transparent, right? And I've shared a lot of this on social media posts and such. But my journey has been a, a great mix of living. And by that, I mean, There are times, there have been times, and there still are times where I feel like I'm not enough. (laughs) There are times where I struggle with low self-esteem. There are times where I struggle with self-confidence. There are times where I struggle with having a positive self-image and a positive Mm self-view. And I think that by sharing that, it just helps tell the truth. And it humanizes me because to your point, the feedback that I often get is, Kevin, you are so full of energy. You are so positive. You are so hopeful. I love being around you, Kevin, because you make us laugh, right? That is a part of who I am, Shannon. And you know that because I love making you laugh. And so <laughs> that, that is a part of my journey. And that is a part of my story. But to your question, have there been times where I have you know, experienced doubt and uncertainty and not being sure? Absolutely. Even up until today, right? So how do I get past those moments? And how do I try to maintain a positive view? How do I keep the energy up that I have when people see me and you know hear me speak and see me speak on stages and all that? One of the things that helps me, Shannon, a lot is feedback, right? Because quite often the feedback that I get dismisses some of those negative thoughts that are in my head, right? And you just use some very positive, affirming language to describe your experience with me. And I don't believe that you have any reason to lie about that. Right. So 
what I appreciate and what I rely on is external feedback that I get from others that give me a view into what their experience is like with me, Mm -hmm. right? And so when I'm able to get that, again, it kind of pushes down some of those moments of self-doubt and some of those negative thoughts that I hear as well. Um, The other thing that I have done to overcome that is to embrace it, right? So if I get some good feedback, I embrace it as being the truth. And there have been times where I have received positive feedback and it was hard to hear because I didn't believe it about myself, right? right? And then that just, that contributed to that downward spiral of ne- negative thinking, right? So what I have decided to do when I get positive feedback is to embrace it and believe it to be true, right? The other thing that I do to kind of combat, you know, self-doubt and, and those things, Shannon, is to just kind of look at my work. And when I know that I've done good work or believe that I've done good work, I acknowledge it to myself. Now, I don't do that to sound arrogant or anything like that, but I do that as a positive reinforcement to myself to say, Kevin, you've acquired experience, you've acquired expertise over time, and this is the outcome of that. You know, again, when I'm looking at my work and I'm like, wow, Kevin, you really did that. You did a great job at that. Congratulations (laughs) to you. (laughs) Go you. That's what I'm saying, Shannon. Yeah, go me, go me. To answer that question, it's a mix of strategies that I use to combat self-doubt, to combat uncertainty, to combat imposter syndrome, right? So it's a mix of things. And again, I believe it's important for me to tell that story and be transparent about it because of what and who people see when I'm on stage, when I'm in, in you know, sessions like this where people get a chance to hear me and, and you know, get a, a peek into my head. I just believe it's important to tell the truth to say, you know, I do believe I'm good at what I do, um, but there are also moments where I experience self-doubt and I've already shared with you some of the ways in which I try to combat self-doubt and that's helpful. I'm in a really good place right now. I'm I'm probably, Shannon, in one of the best places that I've been, I dare say, almost in my entire life. I've landed in a very good spot in terms of feeling good about my work, in terms of my work as the L&D detective, feeling really good about the work that I'm doing to help people uh, who need food. And I think that everything that I've done in my professional life has prepared me to do the good work that I'm doing right now. So I'm feeling really good. That's great. And I I appreciate your approach here and especially the asking for feedback, but more importantly, the acceptance of that feedback, because it's so easy. And I think we talked about this and I know I've talked about this with other uh, people in our group is that sometimes when you give a conference session and you get the you get feedback from that, right? You get the evaluations back from that. You pick that one, right? There's that one, there's always that one comment of somebody who said, well, I don't know if this person knows what they're talking about out of a hundred. And that's the one that we always seem to focus on. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think it's important for people to, to know and understand that it's okay to have those self moments of doubt but then to believe the truth of the other mm. 99 evaluation results that say that you're doing a good job. Absolutely. I'm, I'm guilty of that. I don't do that as much anymore, Shannon. I don't either. I don't. Yeah. I'm definitely guilty of doing that. You know, I, I do take a look at what some of those negative comments say, because there might be something there that could help me, but I'm right. not so focused on that one that I'm going to forget the 99, like you said. Right. I don't dismiss it. You know, I, I, I read it. I consider the context 
and think about the extent to which I can or should do anything about it and, and then go from there. Right. Well, now let's flip, let's flip the script, shall we? Let's talk a little bit about where you are in your life right now and all of the extra good work. Because I love how your career has progressed and it seems like there was a natural path. It feels like a natural path. It might not, it, I'm sure it was a grinding path at the time, but right now where you've landed, it feels so perfect for you where you've got the L&D detective stuff going on, which is great but it couples so nicely with the work that you're doing within the community, with your nonprofit. So tell me about that journey. So at what point did you wake up in the morning and say, you know what, somebody has to do something. And I think that somebody is me. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll zero in on what that meant for me in terms of my nonprofit, right? Because Mm -hmm. I can remember exactly how it happened. I remember the day, um, the exact date and approximately the time. So it was Tuesday, March 9th of 2021. I was laying in bed. It was about 5.45 a.m. And I was just playing the reel of my life, right? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Kevin, you have focused so much on you, right? You have focused so much on your career, your progression. And even at that point, you focused on building your L&D detective brand. You have focused on making sure that you are advancing in your career, right? That you are knowledgeable in your career, that you're doing all the right things in your career. And I'm thinking to myself, Shannon, it's, it's been all about you, right? I'm like, you've, you've focused a lot of time on you, but what else, right? Because I was feeling a little empty. And again, I remember there just kind of laying there thinking, meditating and praying And I believe it was divine intervention. I got the motivation to help people who need food. Now, I often tell people, Shannon, it wasn't like one of those moments from the Ten Commandments where I heard a voice on high say, feed people, help people who need food. It wasn't like that, but I felt that answer come to me, right? And that morning, Tuesday, March 9th, I literally got out of bed. I still had on my pajamas. I ran to my computer and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start a nonprofit. And I'm thinking, what am I going to call this nonprofit? Right. And so I'm Googling names and I'm like, food for today, uh, help people now, meals in the meantime. Oh, meals in the meantime, that is awesome. Right. So I'm like, somebody has to have that name. So I Googled meals in the meantime, nothing came up. And I'm like, that can't be right. Right. So then I go to GoDaddy to get the URL, mailsinthemeantime.org. And I'm thinking, somebody grabbed that. Somebody already has that. And it was available. Wow. I'm like, wow, this is this is all, what is that? Serendipitous, divine intervention. Yep, yep. And the rest, as they say, is history. Because even that same morning, Shannon, I knew that I didn't know how to set up a 501c3 nonprofit. So I Googled attorneys, Chicagoland nonprofits. <laughs> I found an attorney in Arlington Heights, right? Shout out to James Provenza for helping me set up meals in the meantime. All of this was that day. That was Tuesday, March 9th. That same day that I got the URL, I built the website. That same day, right? I used one of the tools, the website uh, builder tools in in GoDaddy. And then from that point, I was thinking about when I would do my next, when I next, but when I would do my first pantry. Long story short, the pastor at my church had access to 150 boxes of food. He even offered our church as a location for where I could do my first pantry. And the rest, as they say, is history. So now, what, three years later, we are a full operating 
501c3 nonprofit providing food support, Chicagoland South Suburbs. We do pop-up food pantries. We're helping people who need food. All the food in our bags is free, fresh, and healthy. We're getting awesome feedback from people in the communities in the South Suburbs about how we are helping them and exposing them to foods that they might not have otherwise selected. For example, we don't use dairy milk. We use plant-based milk in consideration of people who might have Mm -hmm. food allergies or lactose intolerance like me. Um, So that's what that journey looks like. I hope that answers your question about how how I got here. Absolutely. I love it. It's just like a lightning bolt, right? That said, today I'm going to do something. Was this at all, you mentioned the date. So was this at all pandemic driven? Um, No, I I don't think so. I, I think that it was really driven by me wanting to do more and me wanting to focus less on me and focus more mm-hmm. on others, right? Now, are we seeing or had we seen during that time, you know, an increased need because of the pandemic? Yes, we did. We definitely did. Um, but I wouldn't say that it was, you know, specifically driven by pandemic. Okay. All right. And so we have the uh, link to Meals in the Meantime up on the screen. So again, those of you who want to see how you can help or contribute, I'm sure Kevin will not turn you away. That's for sure. I want to add, I want to add, Jenna, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So your donations- Tax deductible. Tax deductible. Absolutely. Absolutely. So please, please donate and give. Please donate and give. How many people do you have working with you? How large is it now? We have a staff of seven, including myself. Uh, So we are small, lean and mean, but we are executing work like we were a a 100 person organization. That is, and I have no doubt, I have no doubt about it. You know, you being up there leading that parade, I'm sure that people are just falling (laughs) in and enjoying all of the energy that you're sharing. I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, are there any other shout outs that we need to give in regards to your nonprofit? Well, you know, I would like to give a shout out to our pantry coordinator. Her ta- her name is Tekela Alamine. Um, truth be told, she's the one who keeps me in line. Uh, <laughs> she's the one who makes sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Uh, but she is our pantry coordinator. She is absolutely amazing. And she ensures that from an operational perspective, that we are aligned to our mission and that we are executing on that mission when we are on site at one of our mobile food pantries. So Shout out to Tequila Alamine, the Meals in the Meantime Shout Pantry Coordinator. Tequila. Woo-hoo. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and I love this. And the reason why I was really looking forward to having this conversation is because I think it shows, and even in our previous guests, it shows that your journey is the one that you choose. And you can have mm. multiple, you can have multiple journeys. So if you are in education, you want to move to learning and development, you can do that. If you're in learning and development, and like you said, if you're feeling lost or bored or conflicted, there are other areas within the industry that you can focus on like you did, right? We can go from uh, content creation, if you will, or content strategy, we can move it over to um, measurement, analytics, technologies. There are so many different areas that you can do to build interest. But then I think you fill out that other half of you when you focus beyond you, right? When yeah, you focus on yeah. the community, whatever. And I want to be sure to, to, to make this clear. It, the community is whatever you make your community to be, right? It could be your, it could be your neighborhood, 
It could be your church. It could be your industry, you know, so giving of yourself to whatever community matches your heart, I think is what makes the whole picture. I I agree, Shannon. And I got to tell you, you you hit on a point there just in terms of um, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, just kind of pursuing different passions. Right. For me, I'll, I'll tell you, Shannon, when I first launched Mills in the Meantime, I was trying to figure out how is this going to play with me being the L&D detective? And I was a little concerned because I'm thinking, okay, Kevin, up to this point, up to the point of starting a nonprofit, you've been talking about measuring the impact of training and learning. That's what people know you for. That's what people associate you with. That is what has been the primary focus of your content. That is what you have been speaking all over the world about. How is it going to be received in the industry, in the community, if you now start talking about nonprofit work? And I'm like, am I going to confuse people? Are they going to be thinking, hey, wait a minute. I thought that he was all about measuring impact. Now he's talking about helping people who need food with, you know, with his nonprofit. And I had to go through the process of getting that clear in my own head, right? Because I'm thinking again, what is this going to look like? And, and I'm, am I going to lose something from the L&D detective brand by now starting to talk about a nonprofit and helping people who need food? And just to demonstrate, Shannon, how incredible our community is. And I mean this, I'm almost getting a little teary-eyed about it. The community, the the global training, learning, and talent development community has embraced the work that I am doing in ways that I could not have imagined. And so now I'm saying that I don't have to put one thing down to pick something else up. I can make them work together. And they are working quite nicely together. And an example of that, Shannon, would be this past February, I was speaking at Andy Storch's uh, Talent Development Think Tank Conference, and he made the decision for Mills in the meantime to be the official nonprofit for that conference. And that was amazing. Yeah. So we walked away with a sizable amount of donations. And and then in October, and I'm so excited about this, uh, David Kelly reached out with the Learning Guild to say, Hey, Kevin, we'd like Mills in the meantime to be the official nonprofit for DevLearn 2023. And I'm like, wow, this is just amazing. And so these opportunities are coming as a result of my work, and my relationships in the global training, learning and talent development community. So that's just a couple of examples of how I am balancing these two brands. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, L&D Detective, Mills in the meantime, but how they're coming together because right. it's all about service. Right. right? In my role as the L&D detective, I am of service to our community, Shannon, to help figure out how to measure the impact of training and learning. That service. And then for Mills in the meantime, I am serving communities who need help with food. So I think that the common thread between both of those brands is service. And so it has worked quite well for me. And again, I think that's an example of how you can walk and chew gum and, and watch the traffic light at the same time. And all the more power to you. You are a busy man. And so I'm going to conclude this uh, this conversation, as I do with all of the other Learning Rebels Live, is remembering back to the actor studio with James Lipton. At the end of his interviews with the actor that uh, graciously gave their time, he would put them through the Proust questionnaire. And I thought, ooh, we could do something like that. And so I took a Learning Rebels Uh-oh. take on the Proust questionnaire. And so we're going to go through this a rapid fire series of questions just to 
You know, see, where is Kevin at right now? And that's right. Let's let's get down to it. So let me lead off this first question, which is, if you think about, Kevin, in your, uh, particularly what you do, there are a lot of tools that you might use, productivity tools, um, creation tools, tools that might help you with your nonprofit. There's all sorts of tools out there. So let me lead off with this. What is your favorite tool to use? My favorite tool to use right now, Shannon, is ChatGPT. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Do I get to expound a little bit? I won't keep it long. I'll just say that I have recently discovered and harnessed the power of ChatGPT, and it's amazing. And it helps me not only as the L&D detective, but also in my nonprofit work. Fabulous. What is your least favorite tool to use? Excel. Okay. What skill should every L&D professional have? I'm not so sure it's a skill as much as it is a characteristic, but I'm going to say curiosity. Okay. What skill is overrated? Analytics. Oh, okay. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I'd love to own a coffee shop. Oh, nice. Oh, we should talk about that. Uh, What profession would you not like to attempt? A dentist. <laughs> Who is your favorite superhero? Aquaman. Oh, nice. Who's your least favorite superhero? Iron Man. Okay. What makes you laugh? You do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your 20 bucks is in the mail. Uh, in the perfect world, what L&D practice would you change? Ooh. I would change the practice of using smiley sheets, post learning surveys as a signal for impact. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And once again, let's uh, inform people where they can find you. Yep. So I'm all over social media. Yes. So you can check me out and you can hang out with me on LinkedIn on Twitter or is it X? X. Whatever it is. The, the, The app formerly known as Twitter. The apps for, yeah. So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Threads, LinkedIn, definitely. And if you want to get to know about me a little personally, join me on Instagram. And then definitely check out my website, kevinmyates.com. And then if you want to check out the work that I'm doing for my nonprofit, go to mealsinthemeantime.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I knew that this was going to be a fun conversation and I absolutely had a great time as expected talking to you. And for those of you listening, uh, please remember to check out the the Learning Rebels website, check out all of our events, learningrebels.com, the events for our upcoming coffee chats, also for our Learn Something New sessions, which Kevin is going to be hosting a Learn Something New session about the L&D Detective next month. So keep your eyes open for that to be posted really soon. Not to mention, you're also going to be hosting an intensive for us here in a couple of months, getting down and dirty with all of these measurements. So that's going to be a cool time. And for being that we were talking about community, I would be regressed if I didn't mention our own community. So our Learning Rebels community, for those of you who are newer to the industry, looking to transition into the industry, or you have tenure in the industry and you have wisdom to share, this community is for you. And I encourage you to go to the Learning Rebels website, click under community and find out what we are all about. We would love to have you join us. So once again, thank you, 
Kevin, for spending your morning with me today. It has been a pleasure, and I look forward <laughs> to seeing you. We're going to have dinner downtown here in the next month or so. I know we need to. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you again, my friend. Good to see you, Shannon. Thanks for inviting me. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. How can you not walk away from this conversation and not feel totally inspired? This is a hometown boy from the south side of Chicago who never left his roots. He saw a path that led to his inner passions, grabbed it, and didn't give up. What I appreciate about Kevin's journey is that, yeah, sometimes we get bored, sometimes the work gets stale, but this doesn't mean we have to throw in the towel. It's the process about ongoing discovery. What else is out there for us? He didn't seek becoming the L&D detective. It found him through exploration and curiosity. But that wasn't enough because Kevin loves a challenge. Why not start a nonprofit in one day simply by Googling it? Seriously, who does that? Well, apparently Kevin does. So I hope that Kevin's commitment to the task of learning measurement and his passion for his community encourages you to investigate the roads less traveled. And while you're on that road, I hope the universe leads you to the Learning Rebels community where you can build capability and strengthen relationships. You can find that in the links below. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. For more content like this, or to begin your own podcasting journey, head on over to obsidian-productions.com.